spot. God bless you. We're so glad you're here. We're, I'm just going to dive right in. I've got too much to share and not enough time to share it. So uh, we're going to dive right into Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Um, I can tell you what that story Elizabeth told. I get in too big of a hurry that I don't even share what's going on in my life. So Elizabeth stopping and sharing with Pam opened the door for what God had for them, where I'm just like, I can't talk to you right now. I've got to go buy a freezer. Goodbye. (laughs) I'm not kidding. That's what I would have done. And she would have said, okay, good to see you. Maybe we'll meet at church and would have missed it. And God is looking for the relationship. He's, He's not worried about the freezer. He's worried about the connection that gets made out in the parking lot when they should be in church. I can tell you, I did not need my wife in church. I needed my wife at Lowe's meeting up with Pam Russell. God knew it. God knows what you need. If you can somehow grasp that, that's what we're going to talk about even today. God already knows what you need, and he's trying to set in front of you what it is that you need. The problem is we don't even know that we need it. Hebrews chapter... uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse uh, 1, quickly. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Today, we're going to be talking about eternal judgment. Um. So, we just read in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, that we are to move on from these principles, right? I want to ask you, can you even name the six? Now, I've got the last one up there. The reason I ask you this is you need to be laying this foundation. Not just sitting and warming a pew and hearing a sermon. You need to be laying this foundation and move on from it, and build upon it. I don't have it on the screen, so you can't cheat. The screen does not chase you around all day long. It's got to be a part of your foundation. What is it? Repentance. Faith. Baptisms. Laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. This should be the filter that you process everything through. This is what's underneath what you're doing. And God will move you on from that if you can get the foundation laid. If you don't, you will keep laying the foundation. And let me tell you, the foundation's not fun. It's just concrete. But it's the stuff that's going to hold you together. So I want to encourage you, take this home and build your home on this foundation. Eternal judgment. I'm going to go fast, so please forgive me. I want to get done next week's Easter Sunday, and I'm so excited about where God's taking us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. I just want to encourage you, you are not alone. 
to the general assembly in the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So much taking place here in Hebrews chapter 12. But finally, God presents himself threefold. First of all, here we see in this scripture, he is the judge of all. If you didn't know it, if you wonder who gets to judge, it's God. God is the judge of all. Second, Jesus is the mediator. He is the mediator of the new covenant. And third, it is the blood of sprinkling, that is the blood of Jesus, that speaks better things than that of Abel. In the center of it all, we see that God is the judge of all. He is revealed to us as a sovereign, eternal authority as judge, judge of heaven and earth, judge of angels, and judge of men. However, if all that we were were revealed that God was judge, judge of all, there would be no room for a sinful man. It would just be bad because we ultimately make mistakes. We are not perfect. In mercy, the revelation of God's word leads us on from the figure of God as the judge to Jesus as the mediator, the only one who can come between a righteous and holy God. Jesus is the mediator What is that saying? Between God, the judge of all, and us, sets Jesus. He comes in between. He is the mediator of the new covenant. Between God and a sinful man. And he is able to reconcile one to the other. And the picture is completed by the revelation of the blood of Jesus being both the means and the price by which reconciliation has been achieved. Can you see that? God is judged, Jesus is the mediator, and it's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that reconciles us. The entire Bible reveals God as the sovereign, eternal God. And he holds the office of judge himself. And this theme runs all throughout the Old Testament. Because Abraham said to the Lord, he said, However, the truest and most perfect expression of God's eternal nature is not in judgment, but in grace. Not in wrath, but in mercy. We see this in Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 21. The Lord will rise up as he did at Mount Perizim, and he will rouse himself at the Valley of Gibeon to do his work, his strange work, and perform his task, his alien task. Now, I want you to catch this for just a second, because this word alien is so important here. The administration of wrath and judgment is alien to God's nature. Do you catch this? He will rouse himself to do his work, his alien task. 
It's not something that he naturally desires to do. Rather, it is an inevitable response of God to the unthankful and unholy behavior of man. And as we move on from the Old Testament into the New, we enter into a fuller revelation revelation of the motives and method of God as judgment. I want to show you in John chapter 3, verse 17. Now, does that scripture sound familiar? It almost sounds familiar. John 3, 16. The problem is we don't know John 3, 17. We know John 3, 16. Those of you that don't know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I want you to catch something. God did not send Jesus to bring judgment upon us. He sent Jesus to save us. In fact, I see that it's the opposite of judgment. It's salvation. These scriptures, as many as others like them, reveal that God delights to offer mercy and salvation, but is reluctant to administer wrath and judgment. In the first entrance, instance, and by sovereign eternal right, judgment belongs to God the Father. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 1.17 says, The Father who without partiality judges according to one's works. Here judgment of all men is declared by the office of God the Father. But I want you to stick with me, church. This is, this is a lot to take in. In John chapter 5, John chapter 5, verse 22, it says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Now, I want you to catch this. He has committed all judgment to who? To the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I want to believe that as we read this in the Old Testament or in Hebrews about this alien task, we see that God the Father chooses to hand the judgment to the Son. I want to believe that it is not the Father's heart to judge us. It's the Father's heart to love us. And we can see here that the office, that the power of judgment was passed from the Father to the Son. But I want you to know it doesn't end there. John chapter 5, verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he granted the Son to have life in himself. Will you help me, Liz? I'm just going to give up. I can't see it well enough. And he has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. We see it explicitly stated that the office of judgment has been transferred from the Father to the Son for two reasons. Because the office of judge goes also the honor due to the judge. And God the Father is saying, you honor me, I want you to honor my Son. If you will honor my Son, you honor me. He sent his son and said, honor him. No one comes to the father except through him. Except through him. Honor him. He has been given the place of judgment. But also because 
Christ is also the Son of Man as well as the Son of God, meaning that he partakes of the human as a human as well as the divine nature. So he is able to make human allowances. He is one that has been through what you have been through. Through his own experience and through his own infirmities and temptations of human flesh. But I'm going to throw you one more curveball. So gracious and merciful, however, is the nature of the Son, just like the Father, that Christ does not hold on to that position of judge. He lets it go. In John chapter 12, verse 47, And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me, next, he who rejects me and does not receive my words, has that which judges him. The word which I have spoken will judge him in the last day. What has he just done? So the office of judge went from God the Father. God the Father transferred it to God the Son. The Son then transferred it to his word. Jesus did not come to judge the world, but to save it. And then he in turn transferred the office of judge to the word. Can anyone see? I don't believe it's because God's weak. I know that there are things in my life that I delegate because I don't want to do them. There's other things that I delegate because I know people are better at it than I am. They're better equipped. They will do a better job. Some things I just don't want to do. Some of the things I don't want to do just because I'm lazy. Other things I don't want to do because it's not who I am. There are things as pastor. There's things as a father. There's some things that it's just not who I am. It's why I'm married She's strong where I'm weak. But I want you to know it's not that God can't do it. It's not that God knows that it, ha- that, it, that it has to be done and that it will be done. But I believe that it's not his nature. He did not come to condemn. He did not come to judge. He came to love. For God so loved the world. He did, it doesn't say in John 3.16, because the world needed so much judgment that he sent his son. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And then we see that he did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. I say all this to say we have such a tendency to judge first. We have a tendency to judge first. I want you to know that nowhere in Scripture does it say you're the judge. God is the righteous judge. And we see even there that God, I don't believe that it was really what he's thinking. Oh, man, I just want to go judge everybody. No. Son, you're human. You go judge. I am human. I came to save the world. Let the world, let the word judge. Let my word be the judge. I find as I just study as God is judge, you know what I find? I find mercy and I find grace. Summed up by Pastor Justin. It's good news. The world thinks 
that God's a God of judgment. Do you know why? Because the church judges them. And that is not God's nature. The church is to love them. We should be filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God did not come to judge the world. It did not come to condemn the world, but to love it. I believe that if we can truly recognize God as our righteous judge and not us, and allow the world to come in the church and love them regardless of whether they change, it doesn't say I'm only supposed to love you if you change. God did not say I'm only going to love you if you change. Nope, I was sent here not to condemn you, but to love you. I was sent here to save you. And it is by that love that people change. Judgment is just punishment. It's love that is going to change a heart. Can you guys grasp it all as God's showing himself as eternal judge? Why is he showing that as a foundation of our life? Because I believe he's trying to say, as you're building your foundation on my word, you're not the judge. The word is. If you will live your life not judging one another, you know what will happen? You won't be judged. Unfortunately, we spend most of our days judging each other. And all it does is set us up for pain. Let me tell you, I don't need somebody judging what I do because I do a lot of things that need judgment. I'm the guy that it's talking about in Scripture that's the not perfect one. That one's me. I'm the one that when compared to who God is, I I don't even find myself in in the same room. Paul even said, I'm the chief sinner. It's me. But instead of love, I can even find myself judging and all it does is separate me from what it is that God has for me. For me, God's the judge. He's the eternal judge. I want to quickly show you what, what the principles of judgment by the Word of God are. And I'm just going to go very quickly. I'm almost done. I'm going to be done on time. It's going to take a miracle. Number one, four principles of judgment. Number one is according to truth. Everybody say truth. Therefore, you are inexcusable. Oh man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. Wake up. When you bring judgment on your fellow man, on your brother, you are condemning yourself. All you're doing is saying, God, shine the light on me. I kind of like to go below the radar. I kind of like to fly low and kind of stay out of the limelight. You'd say, Why, why'd you pastor? I don't know why God put me up here. If y'all know me at all, I kind of like to be locked away in my own office, kind of quiet, doing my thing. People have got to drag me into meetings. It's just kind of who I am. But when I judge, I get on stage and say, Shine the light on me, God. I don't have enough problems. Go ahead. When you bring judgment to each other, that's what you're doing. God shine a brighter light on me. 
For you who judge, practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. What's the problem with my judgment? It's not pure truth. It's messed up with selfish ambition. I'm not saying I'm a selfish person, but I will tell you, we're selfish people. I don't care how great you think you are. To the core, we've been learning about repentance. To the core, we're bad. If we weren't bad, we wouldn't have needed a Savior. Can you flip up the next verse? I read it. But we know that God, the God of judgment is according to truth against those who practice judgment. Next thing, what does he judge? Hit it again. According to deeds. God's judgment is according to our deeds. It says in Romans 2.6 that God will render to each one according to his deeds. Uh, I think I have 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. The Father. Can you, yeah. And if you call on the Father who is without partiality, judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. <laughs> yeah. It's good. The Father judges according to one's works. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. The books were opened. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works. Is it important what you're doing? Yes. The very first principle of the foundations is what? Thank you, my mother. What is it? Repentance from dead works. If you've been coming on Wednesday nights, you've learned what dead works are. Shocking. Let's go on to the third one. God judges. You're going to have to jump ahead a few scriptures. Hit it one more time. Without partiality. It's big. I think it's awesome. He judges me just like he judges you. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Do you know why not to judge? Remove the whole stuff about how God says don't judge lest you be judged. You can't judge because you can't see the heart. How many times have you been judgmental of someone only to find out they didn't mean it the way you took it? And your relationship broke so badly that it can't be repaired. Or at least you have broken so badly that you won't allow it to be repaired. Only because you could not see the heart. God sees my heart. He knows just how to bring correction to me. He's the best one at it. Because he's pure. His love is pure for me. There's not some backdoor favor trying to get done in him trying to correct me. It's pure. 
there's nothing in it for him except me. He loved me that he gave everything. That's the one I want judging me. Finally, the fourth one is he judges according to the light available. I'm going to spend just a moment here, and then we're going to close. Romans chapter 2, verse 12. For as many have sinned without law will also per- perish without law, but as many have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. If you can just look at this basically, this means that each person will be judged according to the measure of moral light and understanding made available to him. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since creation of the world, invisible attributes are seen clearly, being understood by the things that are made, even by his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There are people that are living today that have never had the word preached to them, but the word is telling us here that God reveals himself to them. They still have an opportunity. These people are not going to hell because God is a God that if only the favored can go to heaven, then that, that would be all completely messed up. God reaches every man. He is the creator of every man. He is the God of all creation. So we can see here that even those that may not have the gospel brought to them, they are without excuse because he is revealing himself to them. But Paul states... That this basic standard by which all men will be judged, however, there's, there are those who have received an additional and special revelation through God's word, and they will be judged at a higher standard. Look at Luke chapter uh, 12, verse 48. But he who did not know, yet committed these things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. He who did not know shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to him who much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. I want you to know that I I am held at a standard higher than a five-year-old child. I have experienced things. I have witnessed things. God has been confirmed in so many different ways of my life that I will be judged at a different level. It's why first graders aren't judged on the level of a 12th grader. It says that His grace is sufficient for me. The things that I face today are because God knows I can handle them. He does not make me face things that I can't handle. His grace is sufficient. So I want to encourage you this morning, finally closing the door on these six foundations. And I want to encourage you, build your foundation. It will not be built for you. And when the rains and the storms come, if your house is not sitting on a foundation it will be washed away. You must build on the right foundation. And I believe your right foundation is found in Hebrews chapter 6. Repentance of dead works, faith in God, baptisms, the doctrine of baptisms. We remember those. The laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. I am not the judge.
God is the judge. And even he passed it to his son, who in turn passed it to his word. If I want to know how to line up my thoughts and my life, go to the Word. The Word is the judge. When someone comes to you with problems, don't judge them out of your opinion. Don't judge them out of your experience. I want you to know your experiences and your emotions can lie to you. The Word will not lie. When people come and need help with direction, give them the Word. Let the Word bring judgment not you. You are to love them as Christ loves you. We all stand up with me. Before I pray and dismiss you, next week is Easter Sunday. I want to encourage you, get excited about what God's doing here. Our little small group uh, this morning, our Sunday school group, we've just got so many great things. We've got a young family Sunday school group. If you don't have a Sunday school class, I want to encourage you, join it. Uh, Join Burton and Cindy's uh, Sunday school class right outside the door or Daryl Thornton's Sunday school class. We've got ways to get you to, to help you to connect. We've got small groups on Wednesday nights. I want you to know church is not about the, the service or the worship. It is about us. Church is the body of Christ. We have, missed, we have missed what church is, thinking it's lights and songs and projectors and a good sermon and snacks after church. That's not church. Church is you and church is me. I want to encourage you to get excited about church and invite people. We have got people in our city that are lost and are going to hell We've got people in our city that have no hope because they do not have Christ. I want us as a church body to start praying for the lost. I think that we can get selfish and think that we just want to baptize a whole bunch of people. Nope, I want us to be genuine in that we just want the lost to be saved. And God will work out who comes into our church. God's in control, not us. But we have a responsibility to shout it. Go on and shout it from the mountains. Go on and tell it to the masses that He is God. This world is hurting. This world is open to help. This world is open to love. They are not open to judgment. Go out and reach your people. Pray for your people. And let's watch this church body grow. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for for each and every one here that, Lord, we don't miss it, that we don't try to skip this grade, that we don't try to just make it on forward without establishing your foundation. Lord, I know that storms come. We just had a storm come through our city this last week. We had a tree down across our way out of our house this morning. Just ask you, Lord, to to help us to build this foundation. Repentance from dead works, faith in God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, 
and eternal judgment. And Lord, let us move on and begin to build on top of that. I just ask you, Lord, as Elizabeth spoke this morning about this freezer, that Lord, you already know the things that we've got going on. Just like Abraham taking Isaac up the mountain, you had already sent the the goat on the other side for provision, that it was not your desire for him to have to kill his son, but that you had the provision as, as Abraham went up the mountain. God, we're coming up the mountain. We're trusting you. And we're looking for you to be God in our life. Let us lay this foundation. Father, as we dismiss and we have these little snacks outside, the snacks are so that we'll connect. Help us to, to gain understanding of what the body of Christ is, of what church is. And Lord, let us grow. Let us get roots down. And Lord, let us grow together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.